This episode is sponsored by Grizz Targets and Archery, hands down the best targets made right here in Alberta. I'm very thankful to have partnered with these amazing guys putting out high quality products. Their targets range in all sizes. The Backpacker is their most portable target, great for checking your sights while you're in the backcountry to make sure your arrow is still flying true. This thinner 12 inch by 12 inch target can double as a seat or a flat surface when cooking. Multipurpose like that is essential when packing light. When you want to have some fun testing your skills at long distances, the Kodiak makes for the perfect target. It boasts a massive 48 inch by 48 inch surface to assure you that you won't be digging in the grass for your arrows. It's also great for when your buddies and you want to shoot together without having to take turns. Grizz makes quality targets affordable with options for interchangeable cells that keep you from needing to buy an entirely new target when the bullseye gets worn. They also have options for frames and stands and targets for field points and broadheads. You want a target that's as tough as you? Get Grizzly Tough with Grizz Targets and Archery. Be sure to check them out at grizztargetsarchery.ca. This episode is sponsored by CND Archery. CND is Alberta owned and operated, offering two pro shops in Rosalind and Maleg. Owners Corey and Doug have more than 25 years of combined knowledge and experience to get you set up properly and to maintain your gear for years to come. CND Archery is Canada's only distributor of expedition bows. They carry tons of great gear that you won't find anywhere else. Corey and Doug support local by carrying many Alberta-made products from arrows to accessories. Get in touch with the guys on Facebook or Instagram today at CND Archery to set up your visit. This episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories is sponsored by Slayer Calls. Bill Ayer, CEO and founder of Slayer, puts in immense workmanship and quality control into every one of his calls. Not one of his products makes it into your hands without first meeting his high standards. Slayer currently makes calls for waterfowl, elk, and turkey. Their double-read duck calls boast superior craftsmanship and award-winning performance with wildly loud sound. They have a full range of elk reeds, custom bugle tubes, and in my opinion, the best push-button elk call on the market, known as the Enchantress. This push-button call allows you to get a variety of noises, from great cow sounds to estrus buzzes and big location bugles when paired with the swagger tube. Slayer makes many other products, from goose calls and turkey reeds to lanyards, bags, and gear. They even have online courses to get you calling like a pro. Check out everything they have to offer at slayercalls.com and call the wild. This episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories is sponsored by Precision Edge Taxidermy. Owner and operator Hunter Friesen from Stetler, Alberta, puts outstanding craftsmanship into every mount to turn your most memorable stories into conversation pieces for your home. Precision Edge does everything from Euro mounts to anything big game, along with waterfowl, small game, and everything in between. Next time you connect with a trophy, connect with Hunter at Precision Edge Taxidermy. Find his stunning array of work on display on Instagram and Facebook at Precision Edge Taxidermy and contact him today. Welcome to Alberta Wildlife Stories. I'm stoked to be sitting down with Derek White and Matt Ponto, owners and operators of Grizz Targets and Archery. Most listeners are already very aware with who Grizz is, not only as a core sponsor of the podcast, but for everything they do to support the archery and hunting community all over our province. 
Matt and Derek both go above and beyond when it comes to building their quality targets and sharing their passions with their kids, their families, and the community. They are truly an Albertan staple. I couldn't wait to do this episode with these guys. So without further ado, Derek, Matt, how are you guys doing today? We're doing good, man. How you doing, Aaron? Well, I'm doing really good. And yeah, I just want to thank you guys again for carving out some time. I know, like you said, we all got really busy lives, and especially during hunting season and stuff like that and everything you guys do. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to thank you again for coming on and doing this. No, excited. Very excited, Aaron. Thanks again for having us. Oh, for sure. So uh, just so listeners are familiar, so we got all three of us here today. Um, I just wanted to start off by asking you guys both like a pretty basic question, the same question for both of you, uh, just so listeners can kind of hear both your voices and get an, an idea for the remainder of the show, how to distinguish you guys. Um, so it's going to start with you, Matt. Uh, the question is just when and what got you into archery and bow hunting? Um, I think the biggest thing honestly was to expand my season I grew up a yeah. uh, small town and hunting and stuff for through with, with my dad as a kid and had done it probably I guess well now close to probably 35 years or so started and it was pretty small and um, yeah archery is one of those things a couple of my buddies had uh, been doing it for a while and probably been eight to ten years now for myself and it was just one of those things like hey you know you can extend the season by two months instead of just November and shooting birds in September and October so that was sort of honestly one of the main things that got me into archery and uh yeah that was that was sort of the start of it i guess for myself forever extending the seasons and have a couple buddies to do it with that's awesome and then yeah same question for you derek um for me well archery i don't know i only started doing it what like four years ago five years ago i guess it'd be we we have a local 4-H club here in, in, in Forestburg. And that was the first time I tried it was just in the, in the, uh, in the school there at 20 yards, did a little recurve and then did that and fell in love with it. Kind of liked it right away. And then a buddy had a, had a compound and tried it, tried shooting the compound. And as soon as I let that first arrow go, I was like, yeah, this is for me. Cause I didn't, I didn't grow up hunting. But I'm oh from, really? I'm from back east, right? So, um, we we didn't grow up hunting. We didn't really have anything to hunt. So my dad didn't hunt. Um, I guess yeah. Wasn't until I got out this way that I actually started hunting. And nice. Yeah. So it was. Yeah. So I I mean, just starting to hunt, did a little bit of rifle, and then got into the archery. So I mean, it's only been what like eight years I've been hunting kind of thing. And then the first four or so were kind of with a rifle, a little bit of rifle, then to the archery. Um, but yeah, and now, now it's full on with archery. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's pretty much taken over my life for sure. Um, in every aspect of it. Um, yeah, no, I, it's only been going on for a few years. So. Wow. That's uh, pretty wild to think that, yeah, to pretty much, so you didn't do much rifle hunting or anything prior to then, it was just straight into the bow stuff? Yeah, I mean, we did, I did a few years, I mean, I started hunting with Matt, I mean, I came yeah. to this little town, what, 2014, I guess? Yeah, it's gotta be about yeah. 10 years. Yeah, about that, and then started playing hockey for the town, met Matt, and went out with him a couple times hunting, and first time I saw him hunting, I was like, <laughs> I'm in. This is fun. 
that's awesome right just out driving around and and you know yeah. getting out the bs sessions and all that right it was it was good um yeah. so but yeah and then i spent a few years a little bit of rifle hunting and then yeah like i said and then i got the bow in my hand and i was like this is awesome it's just yeah. a little more up close and personal i guess i don't know yeah man that like I, for a lack of better words the like the intimacy there of how close you're taking some of these shots with animals just like i don't know it gets me so fired up i haven't done i've done a lot of things i would have considered like adrenaline filled in life and then yeah starting to get that close with a bow with some of these animals is like a whole different type of heart pounding kind of nerve-wracking oh yeah for sure. yeah yeah and that's and wild i didn't realize uh I, I remember you saying it was a little bit newer, but I didn't realize, yeah, it's only been a few years and you've already taken on so much. Um, how long ago was it that you guys took on Grizz Targets and Archery? Oh, year in August, actually. Yeah. I think oh, right, yeah, you're coming up on your one year. Yeah, yeah or just, just passed. Just, just passed just yeah, yeah, just just passed, so yeah. Yeah, and I think, like I said, uh, Derek started up the Heisler Archery Club here. How many years ago now? When was that? Nice. Was that like 20... It was just before 19. The, the COVID. Yeah. It was like 2018, I think. We, uh, yeah, there's a, the Heisler Archery Club. We kind of started up here in an old curling rink. So we get to shoot indoors at all 3D targets all through the winter up to, I think it's 40 yards, 44 yards, actually, we can get mm -hmm. to now. Um, so, yeah, yeah, started that up and it's starting to grow. Yeah, and then he, well, he was looking for different targets. That's sort of how we got introduced to Jim Wilson. That's right, yeah. Was, uh, yeah, through that looking for different targets. And then that was the spring, I think it was in April or May, uh, Derek was talking with Jim and then sort of the <laughs> idea or just, hey, yeah, you know, looking at Celeste River and Derek's light bulb <laughs> went off and me and his wife, Tanya, went out there for a drive. That would have been, yeah, it must have been maybe about me or something like I that. Think it was, yeah. Checked things out and talked to him and, yeah, just – spitballed it and stuff for a while and yeah by what i think it was both the 5th or 6th of august something like that everything closed and we had a good buddy that came and gave us a hand and uh yeah we moved everything back to what now is uh derek and ours uh, the cave i guess the cave, yeah labeled and <laughs> he had a nice shop there at sort of old dairy barn and yeah you tell him sort of the transformation that you did there well yeah i mean the transformation that old barn was basically storage I mean, people would store their trailers in there kind of thing. And you just reeked of old cow shit and pig crap. <laughs> and it was brutal, dude. Like, I, I can send you some of the pictures of what it was to what it is now. And it was it was crazy transformation. I mean, pulled out concrete, the old stanchions, the old milk parlor, and put in new concrete and a wall. And, and yeah, I mean, it's great now. It's heated and everything. But yeah we needed it we needed somewhere to be able to to do this and, and expand and have storage and all that so i mean yeah it was a what like two months or so that we just kind of got in there and got it done had a skid steer in there with a jackhammer on the end of her slamming no. concrete out and yeah a lot of blood sweat and tears i guess yeah and but, we're very fortunate in the small area that we're at um, lots of neighbors, like you said, we don't mm. have any mo most of these bigger machines and different things like that. But neighbors with electrical, a good uh, friend of ours, uh, 
shepherd there. He's got a construction company. So he did right the construction inside yeah. and another neighbor's an electrician by trade. So he helped out with that. And like you said, tons of great support there to, from the community to get us going too, right? Mm-hmm. They excited for us to get this dream and this business up and running. And yeah, like you said, we were sort of going to nickel and dime it to say the least at the start <laughs> of how we were going to sort of transfer form the cave and yeah. long story short, we did it. He did it correct. And we got it set up nice now. Oh, I didn't, I, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't want to do it the way you guys wanted to. I was, I was more the nickel and dimer. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm glad we, we went ahead and put new concrete in and all that. Though. And it, yeah. It's amazing. I joke about it now, Aaron, because it was this old concrete that was like, washed off like you see the rocks on it it's so old and i was like no we yes. can just patch it we can just do this and my buddies were over one night they're like no dude you're gonna want new concrete and to be honest with you man that first day where we actually did some work in there and i was sweeping up <laughs> that's when i thought i thought i'm glad i'm glad <laughs> we put this new concrete in because i could yeah. never imagine sweeping up where that old concrete was it's just yeah it was yeah i'm glad we did yeah well yeah like where all of those like divots and cracks where all the rocks would be showing and stuff yeah it'd be just a nightmare to try to take care of for sure but man that's like that's like you say like the blood sweat and tears or like concrete work is not something anyone i think looks forward to doing like that's not any type of moving to earth i'm like yeah (laughs) and so you guys are both um, like working full-time and stuff as well outside of the Grizz stuff. Like, what are you guys doing on the other side of the clock? Uh, well, I work at, I work for BRR, Battle River Rail. We have a, an elevator in Roseland uh, where we bring in grain, ship grain out and all that stuff into cars, yep. like uh, rail cars. Uh, yep. That's my full-time gig. Um, yeah. You know and then uh, I have a home office here and. It's been about 10 years now, and I work for Egg Resource, which is a division of Cargill, and I do wholesale and distribution and oh, sell really? uh, seed and chemical to independents, so privately owned companies. So yeah. that sort of aligned well with, like you said, uh, Derek's dream, I guess, as he would say, was <laughs> to be in the shop building targets. And, yeah. and my background and sort of business and skill set sort of helped out with that too. So sort of a, honestly a perfect uh, pairing when you bring not just friends together, but business partners. Match made in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the logistics side and yeah. So anyway, so that's sort of, I've been doing that and we all have other sort of side things that we like to do. Yeah. Keep busy with hockey and lots of other stuff, but uh, yeah. yeah. yeah so no kidding. It's that good. is real busy. Yeah. And then you guys both got families too. Like how many kids do you each have? Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. So I have uh, boys that are seven and nine. Uh, they yeah. both, yeah, hockey, hunting, and fishing, as we say, that's our sort of favorite things. And we're sitting in here right now in the front of our shop or whatever, sort of like a man cave, sort of like Derek's there. He's actually gets work done. We sort of just sit in this one. <laughs> but uh, you'll hear the boys ripping by. It's a gorgeous uh, evening or afternoon, and the kids are on the quads ripping around and stuff like that. So, yeah, very nice. fortunate. I moved back to uh, Forsberg area here, I think it would be 11 years now. And I grew up here, my parents used to farm and then they got out of it and dad worked at the coal mine and my mom worked there. And then I went away for hockey and school 
and then found myself in Calgary and found a wife that uh, I convinced somehow to move back to this area. And <laughs> I'm, I'm living my dream, as she always says, and, and she's right. I, we have a nice acreage now, and I get to hunt all the places that I grew up in, and I know all the neighbors and the land. And yeah, mm-hmm. very fortunate for that sort of lifestyle that we get. I got back to accustomed to. I never thought I'd be back in this area, let alone in agriculture, but you know, I'm pretty fortunate. Yeah, yeah that's beautiful, man. Yeah, Aaron, I mean, I've got three three girls. Um, I got twin girls that are seven. Oh, and wow. then uh Chloe is uh my stepdaughter, but she's 13. Wow. And uh yeah, same uh same sort of story. Just well, we're not as busy as Matt is. Matt's Matt's <laughs> that's that's the extreme of busy. Just with the boys yeah. playing hockey. My kids, I mean, they they do archery. We go to archery, we go to the club. We're open now Tuesday and Friday nights, so we usually go in at six o'clock. And as a family, we kind of do the archery thing. And then Chloe does a bit of basketball throughout the year, but she doesn't get. We we're not into too much. She does some art club, and the twins they do a bit of gymnastics out of Sedgwick on Saturdays. But yeah, the usual. We're just kind of doing our thing. I spend time with them, and then spend time in the shop, and yeah. I give his wife Tanya a hard time because I, like you said, I knew Derek first and he used to be the bachelor <laughs> on my coach to say the least. And we had a yellow Labrador gauge there that passed away this winter. Yeah. But anyway, so he would come mm. over and dog sit for us. And it was, it's cool to have a, a friend that's a bachelor, right? Cause there's no real <laughs> schedule and he can just do whatever he wants. When he wants. No so, commitment. Uh, yeah. Sure enough. I grew up with his wife, Tanya as well. And I graduated with her and we were having a reunion here, uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter which one. We're going, we're going right into how, how, yeah. how it matter, eh? So, yeah. So, that's literally <laughs> sort of like a blind setup. And yeah. sure enough, what, by a year later, I think. Yeah. I think it was. It was just over a year later, yeah. Yeah. So, uh-huh. came back to full fruition that, uh, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, Tanya and I, we kind of moved quickly. I've never really been one to, to sit still, so... Yeah, she ended up. She was living in Camrose, and she moved back this area to to live with me at her mom's old acreage. And within yeah, within a year and a bit, we figured out we were pregnant, and then yeah, uh-huh. had some twins. <laughs> got married up. Yeah, it was a fun time. Got married, bought an acreage. Yeah, got a dog. Yeah, got did it all right away. Yeah, just get her yeah, done. Living, living the dream again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're right, Aaron. I mean, honestly, right. if you would have told me. 10 years ago when I'm kind of moved to this area that I'd be living in Heisler or, you know, doing what I'm doing, working with BRR, have the, uh, have the friends and the base that I have now. And then the business, I would have laughed at you. Well, if you, if you would have told me 15 years ago, I'd be living in Heisler. I would have said, what the heck's a Heisler? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, no, where the I really is like, Heisler? I like that. Uh, that thought process of like, cause I very much am the same way where I'm like, Oh man, if you told me five years ago, or if you told me 10 years ago or whatever, right. Like I think like a little bit of background about myself that I don't even know if I've shared much on the podcast um, over the episodes and stuff. But you know, like when I got out of high school, I did a bunch of traveling and I was going through Europe a couple of times and China and stuff. And I kind of, yeah, saved up some money and did the kind of world stint. And I was like, man, I'm never going to get that opportunity again. And now with the sun and stuff, I was like, you know, probably never going to do that kind of shoestring, you know, place to place, jump this place to that place type of traveling again. No, but same thing, like 
if you told me at that time I'd be like back in Alberta, like bow hunting deer, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, right. Like whatever. Right. And then there was uh, when my wife and I first met, I don't know, I think I've maybe mentioned this before, but um, her and I went to Castlegar in BC and we helped a bit older of a couple there build a self-sustainable house. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of like an earth ship or whatever, but uh, it's something really worth looking up if you you or anybody listening wants to look it up. But uh, yeah, it's literally like earth and then ship. Like if you think of a spaceship and like the earth or whatever, and uh, it's a guy named Michael Reynolds in New Mexico. He had like a big plot there that he was kind of experimenting with different different living situations, different living structures and stuff like that. So uh, essentially what it is, is it's like they've got one now in Lethbridge in Manitoba. These guys got one in uh, the Kootenays there in Castlegar, just outside of Castlegar. And uh, it's a 100% self-sustainable home built out of like recycled materials. So you may have seen them where it looks like you, you berm up like a big wall of dirt or like a big berm, on like a cell face. Uh, you basically line that whole wall with like tires and you compact those tires with sand. And then oh, you do okay. like a cob kind of wall over those tires. Yeah. And then it all kind of comes up to this big front facing window and that facing window or that window is always facing south. Right. Sure. And these guys like they end up building these gardens within that front facing window. So in like, you know, in BC or Lethbridge, like in their home, they're like growing bananas and tropical fruit and stuff like that. It's insane. Oh, wow. And it's so oh, wild. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, you know, it, it catches and filters rainwater, which being somewhat careful of certain things, like it is from, from what I recommend or not recommend what I remember. And I could be wrong is that, uh, in Alberta, I think it's actually illegal to catch and filter and drink rainwater. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> from, okay. <laughs> I, yeah. So, but that's what these homes are basically doing, right? It's like when it rains, it hits the yeah. roof and the roof goes through a funneling process through all of this filtration of, um, like different rocks and stuff like that. And then, uh, yeah, they basically filters their own like tap water and drinking water and stuff. And it's all gravity fed throughout the house from the roof down. Um, no so way. there's no need for like pumps and stuff like that. Right. And yeah. then like, even in these homes, there's no forced air heating, there's no furnace, there's no electric heating. Um, basically there's, when you berm up that south facing wall, you run like a tube through the hill and, uh, that tube going through the hill allows you to like let heat out or let like keep heat in kind of thing. It's kind of like an airing tube. Um, and you can build like maybe like a rocket mass heater or a couple of these other things. And anyway, long story short, we, my wife and I, when we first started dating, she was like, I'm going to help these people. And I didn't have a lot going for me at the time after traveling and living in an apartment. So we ran off with her to do that. And we lived there for six months, like a good whole summer there living in like a little bowler. I don't know if you've seen those little bowler trailers. Oh yeah. My, my parents had one. Yeah, man, and they don't depreciate. Like we put them, we <laughs> no, got ours. She still had it, man. Yeah, we uh, restored hers. Like she bought it, like right when we first kind of started dating, and uh, yeah, we restored it and like redid the flooring and all the cabinets and stuff like that in there. And then uh, when we went to sell it, like same thing, did probably more than what she bought yeah. it for. And then uh, we ended up moving back to Alberta, and uh, we lived in an apartment for a while. And with the whole kind of off-grid lifestyle stuff, I've never mentioned this on the pod before. And, I don't want to take up too much of my own story or whatever, but um, we ended up building a tiny house together. So um, I don't know if you guys have seen those TV shows and stuff like the tiny house nation or oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's actually, so, uh, it's actually Tanya and I, that's what we want to do. Once we're done with the acreage, we want to live in a tiny home. I just about would have had one to sell you, but <laughs> there you go. basically what happened was uh, we came back 
And when I talk about like the bow zone here, just uh, east of Edmonton, like up in the Strathcona section that I usually hunt in, um, it's on my in-laws property. So actually, like, and this was five or six years ago that we took on this project. And uh, yeah, like I said, we were living in an apartment in Edmonton and then we actually moved into her parents' place and we were both working. She Like again, I mentioned before, they have a family-based business and I'm a gas fitter for their family-based business. Um, so repairing furnaces and stuff like that and installing and cleaning furnaces and air conditioners and water heaters or what have you. So we basically like all work off of that property and leave off of that property every morning anyway. So we moved in with them for a bit and had this idea to build a tiny house. We got mm-hmm. someone like quoted us to build it at like 110 grand or something like that. Um, we ended up building it ourselves for 45,000. So oh, wow. the labor and everything, right? Um, I'll have to send you guys some pictures. I might share some pictures and stuff on the sure. podcast one yeah, day, man, but you should, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was sweet, man. Cause like prior to gas fitting, I did a lot of, uh, interior finishing, like carpentry and a bit of framing and stuff too. So there's a little bit of all of these, like the amalgamation of trade skills that we decided to just do it ourselves. And like, we knew what we wanted and we knew what we didn't want, like shortcuts on like same thing with like doing the concrete in your shop, right? Like we knew what we wanted to make sure that it was good and we did it from scratch. So we got a custom trailer from Double uh, A Trailers there uh, in Alberta, and they built us like so. Like even the wheel wells, it was a triple axle trailer. It was thirty two feet long by ten feet wide, um, and like the wheel wells were square and everything, so it was really easy to like frame walls up on top of the wheel wells and stuff right. like that. Um, and yeah, we so it's just under thirteen feet high because I believe like the road legality is like thirteen and a half feet or something like that. Okay. And you know we had the signal lights, brake lights, all that stuff on the outside, and then the inside. Man, we got to do like. I was like, I don't want to do drywall or anything. So we did shiplap pine for the siding on the inside and then yeah. DC red cedar for the roof and stuff. And we just yeah. really went hard making the inside like beautiful. Um, and like I said, so we saved up like 10 grand and we put that all into materials. And then by the time we would build that amount of materials, we'd have saved up another, another whatever lump sum of money. So it took us about a year and a half, like part-time outside of work. Uh, so like evenings and weekends working on this thing, took us about a year and a half to build it all till we were living in it. And then we lived in it for about like two and a half years. We had our son and we lived in it with our son for about six months. And that's when we were like, Hey, we're a baby. Like we need some more space. We need to give him his own bedroom and stuff. Right. Yeah. It wasn't that small, but it was so open concept that like when he slept, it's like, there's no doing dishes. Like, if we're watching a movie, it's like, we're watching a movie with headphones on. Like this is, yeah. cool. <laughs> this is like, yeah, um, we, we did. Size, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, we ended up, selling the tiny house and uh, putting the money we made from it as a down payment on a mortgage here in a, in a home. And it benefited us because, man, I don't know how the heck, you know, with housing costs and stuff like that, I don't know how the heck we would have done it um, any other way. Um, sure. You know, it just would have taken a long time to save that kind of money and stuff. So, like I said, we ended up building it for 45000 and not to just throw out the numbers or whatever, but it was just, it really blew my mind. We listed it at one hundred and ten. And uh, we had one lady come and take a look at it. She bought it on the spot and I watched it get towed out of there. That was the first thing I built that I watched go hundred kilometers down the highway off the road. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I like to see pictures. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, man. So I just thought it'd be interesting to share that with you guys. Cause it's uh, kind of a similar thing. And I really like what you're saying. Cause when, you know, when I was building that tiny house with my wife and we were doing that kind of stuff and everything, the same kind of thing It's a long winded way of, agreeing with you about the you know five years from now you know i'd be doing a podcast talking to you guys about archery and stuff i'd be like what the yeah no doubt yeah so it's kind of wild the way you know life goes that way and it just 
like you said, with you guys kind of with that same mentality of like, never stop, always kind of having something to keep busy and do and, and stuff like that. It's, it's crazy when you keep chasing after the things you love doing, like where it takes you and the stuff you get involved with. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But uh, yeah, I still go out to that farm all the time. And like, that's where I shared that video and stuff like shooting that target I got from you guys there and everything. And I did want to quickly plug that because uh, you know, it's cool now talking to you guys. Cause I know when I first started the podcast, I know even Derek, like you and I were talking and then you were like, yeah, I'll talk to Matt and everything. And just when they came to like, you know, sponsoring the show and running like an ad for you guys and stuff like that. And uh, it, it was kind of cool. Cause I think we were talking about doing this podcast for a few months and you know, this yeah. came up that came up. We're all, like you say, real busy people and stuff. And then uh, it's kind of cool that it's been a couple months because ever since I got that target from you, Derek at the hog and shoot, um, I've had a lot of time to fling arrows at it between then and now. And I can, you know, say now, like with experience using one of your guys' products that man, like I absolutely love it. It's been really cool. Cause nice. I just find like from what you guys are using for materials and stuff, just the self healing kind of properties of it. Like it just, you know, I think I'll probably end up like, cause you know, once you're starting to hit the black marks in the cross or whatever, like the stuff you guys have gotten on there for, like what you're aiming at as a target, like eventually that stuff might wear away. And I'm like, man, I could probably repaint this thing like for, you know, tons of years of years use. Cause I probably flung like over 500 arrows at the dang thing. And it still looks like it's somewhat unused when you look at it, you know, it's. Yeah, very... man. No, that's awesome. We appreciate that. And I appreciate you putting on photos and videos of you shooting. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, man. That's well. And you know, like I, before uh, I had that one, I just had like a little broadhead cube and I just really didn't like it either. Like that's why I went with that uh, 24 by 24 with you guys. Cause mm -hmm. man, now, now when you like really back up and you want to have that enjoyment of flinging arrows at like, you know, 70, 80 yards or something, it's like, you can actually see the target. <laughs> like I had such a small block before, right. That I was just like, didn't even freaking see it when I was trying to practice longer thoughts. So yeah, yeah it's it gives, really nice. It gives you it gives you a little bit of a bit of confidence, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that you're not gonna just be you know, making sure that the arrow's not sticking out, getting run over with a lawnmower or something out of the grass when you miss or something, spending hours. Yeah. And I mean with, with our targets, what it comes to is yeah, you shoot all six sides, like you can flip it up upside yeah. down, you can shoot the top, the bottom, sides. I mean, you can just, just shoot the crap out of it. And that's literally like what I'm saying with the like whatever four or five hundred i can't even i didn't really shoot the heck out of it all the time and i've really shot mostly one side so like right and me saying it looks unused it's like that one side looks unused and the rest of the things like literally still almost unused like i haven't even gone around to shooting the this side or that side yet because i'm like well I'll keep focusing on this one and then i'll move it this way or whatever but yeah man that's a dang like when you were mentioning like the grizzly tough stuff like that's a great motto or like name with it because it's like yeah legitimately like grizzly tough like you can be you know using this thing for tons of years doesn't matter if it's a compound bow if it's an 80 pound compound bow whatever your draw weight is or if it's recurve or whatever like that thing's gonna take it it's crazy yeah and i think one thing nice about it too or like you said i appreciate the feedback there is mm -hmm. a lot of people take for granted uh, how hard it is usually to pull arrows out of it and i think that's oh yeah most yeah. favorite things when you have the kids and you say, yeah, go grab our arrows out. And, oh yeah. <laughs> Dirt with, girls and with the little ones. Yeah. yeah. Well, even right? also like even carrying them. Yeah. 
right? Like oh yeah, the lightweight. The lightweight I mean, what are they? The the twenty fours are like what? I, I can't remember them. Like seventeen pounds, eighteen mm-hmm. pounds. They're it's lighter than and it's crazy because when you guys bring that up, it's exactly what you're what you're saying about the product. Because when uh, when I was talking about that smaller block that I have. It's lighter than the smaller block that I have. And exactly like you say, easier to pull arrows. And it was funny because I just had uh, a couple buddies over yesterday and they were like, oh yeah, I want to get into bow hunting and all this stuff. So I let them shoot uh, my recurve a bit and then check out the compound and let them shoot the compound. Even though I was like, yeah, you know, with compound, you want to go get sized up and really shoot yeah, something proper yeah. for yourself to feel yeah, it out. Yeah. yeah. So just to get the idea. And so what I did because they were newer, I took like the bigger grids target and then i put my smaller block just like on top of it so if they missed like high or whatever it wasn't going to go flying mm-hmm. and it's legit it, and it's it's funny that you guys mentioned that because i had that exact first-hand experience literally yesterday where buddy shot three arrows two of them went into the grids target and one of them went into the block up top and when i pulled arrows from it it was like 100 percent noticeably different like i had to take the top block off and put my knee on the block and pull that <laughs> arrow out compared to like you're saying with the other one just like the 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 ease of yeah just and the functionality like the weight and the ease of pulling arrows and everything that's 100 percent what i find from it as well like you said uh we had well purchase like i said getting it through their jim wilson and stuff had a great product and we just keep trying to add to it right the technology and stuff yeah. that he was using there is Keeping, superb keeping his recipe the same is, is the key here yeah but changing like you said the the outside the packaging the stencils mm-hmm. all things like that and as we're sort of we're, we're keep moving and progressing here from the online and the media and everything else and we're just like you said we're getting pretty excited here i think in the next month or two we should also have uh e-commerce uh website that will allow people to even customize so like you said the target that yeah. you have there if you like uh tic-tac-toe right mm-hmm. Derek's made some up right just different patterns that people want I like that yeah. and it's going to be yeah it can be fully customized to anyone um he's done with different clubs and stuff like that we've done we you know put their stencil on it so it can be their targets at their club um even businesses and things like that mm-hmm. is something that we're really looking forward to if people want to buy it you know even as christmas gifts well here i've got a whole bunch of guys that are hunters or archers yeah. or something like that you know what? Well, here, let's put your logo on it. So we just have that freedom and capabilities of the sort of this, again, our big, we want to be big, but with that small feel, that small company, yeah. the back shop sort of boys that can do whatever you guys need done. Right. Or for any range, anything, right. Club, you guys, if people have ideas. It's kind of the best thing. Be like, Oh, I've been thinking of this or yeah. oh, I did this to it. And you're like, Oh, okay. Thanks. It's amazing. How many people share great ideas or just thoughts or yeah. We love feedback, good or bad, by the way, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I do like a hundred percent, like you say, with that, the customization. And if you can like incorporate in that into the e-commerce, like on the website to, to add little bits of like, like you say, whether it's a company name or, you know, design of what, what you're shooting at or whatever, um, that goes a really long way. Cause like you say, it kind of, that even shows that, that kind of uh, still that, what is it like locally owned family customized like you can yeah you're not going to get that from any other big names you're going to get what they get and that's it right like yeah oh no that's really cool and i do really like that uh like a lot of your targets there with the interchangeable cells and stuff is just such a good idea to not have to replace the entire thing you can just do like the core of it and stuff yeah yeah more more so for the bigger ones Mm -hmm. yeah well then i think when you look at like ranges like i want to talk to uh the guys here even at the 
Sherwood Park archery range that I go to where they got like the 3D loop and stuff like that here because um, they've got like a big, uh, pretty much like a football field. So you can indoors, it's like 20 yards, which is, yeah, still awesome to have an indoor winter option there. Yeah. Um, and then outdoors, they've got this field that you can shoot. I think it's like almost up to 120 yards. Oh, wow. Uh, and yeah, what they have out there, and I'm not trying to, you know, it's just it's like starting to get to the point that might need to be a little bit updated. So things like the Kodiak and stuff like that, right? Like that huge target you guys have and things like yeah. being able to, you know, maybe put like the club's name on it or whatever, like all those little subtle touches you can do for, you know, even if it's just like another range in, in yeah. the province or wherever, right? Like it's awesome for stuff like that. Yeah. And we actually just, we just did that with the grand central archery. They, uh, oh, they have a bunch of our Kodiaks in there. And again, we customed it and custom them for them, put uh, their stencil on them. Nice. So it actually has their logo on them. So yeah, these clubs, I mean, yeah, we can put their logo on and they're kind of their targets kind of thing. So it's kind of neat that way. Yeah, so when we yeah. like to said their product stuff, they're they're branding it as well as us smaller in there, but yeah, uh, it's a win-win for sure. Yeah, and it definitely seems like through uh, like the social media aspect and stuff like there too, and just within the community, like I mentioned, kind of in the intro, like you guys have really become like a staple. You know, like literally everybody I talk to, like knows they're like, oh yeah, we know Chris Targets, oh yeah, we know this guy, or we know Derek, or we know Matt, or like you know, it's like you guys have really kind of um, built the name out really well that way too, even in the last year or so too, with whether it's sponsoring different shooters and stuff like that, at different 3D competitions or just being present at them, like having the booths there. Like you guys had a decently busy summer this year. Like how many uh, shoots did you end up vending at? Oh, Derek, Derek hit a lot of hit the pavement pretty hard. I made it to a couple, but yeah, no, he, he, he hit her pretty hard, but yeah, he was pretty much gone every weekend. Or uh, yeah. every other, weren't you? It was not. Yeah. Pretty much every weekend. Yeah. There was a few, I mean, we hit up the oilman. You meet yeah. the oilman. We went to the yeah. log and shoot. There was the Calgary nationals. We went to, there was, uh, the iron man we went to, I don't we didn't really have a booth there, but, um, then there, we went to Vagerville. And uh, what other ones? Lethbridge. What's that? girls family went. Oh yeah, Tabor. We went down to Tabor. I don't. We didn't have oh, a. Yeah. yeah, we didn't. We didn't have a booth, but we were still down there, kind of as as yeah. a family. Went as a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then hosted here, uh, Derek, oh, yeah. like you said, with the Heisler Archery Club or whatever. <laughs> we host a 3D shoot as well. Yeah, that's right. And like you said, <laughs> yeah, see how big, like you said, the Ironmans <laughs> is and stuff. But we have amazing unique country here like you said we're right we're about five miles from north of the battle river so like you said for myself growing up as a kid hunting and stuff as well as neighbors or friends with campgrounds and so that's Mm -hmm. where the yeah like you said the heisler archery club uh set up the uh, 3d shoot down there i think the second year that was our second year we did it was in may yeah we put that on with the battle river resort and this yeah hopefully next year we'll be able to do the same thing they yeah so it's we'll, yeah. we'll hopefully if, if it's not there it'll be somewhere yeah so we'll, we'll do it yeah. again but yeah that was the second year doing that one and that was good that was good no but it was a busy summer Aaron. it was a really busy summer whether it was we're off to a shoot or camping i mean we still we still did a lot of family stuff right like we yeah we camping quite a bit so took a couple of weeks and went out to the cabin out in shorncliffe out towards wainwright there and 
and Matt got Matt and his family got out with us for a weekend, and yeah, it was a busy summer. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I just remember like we were kind of keeping tabs back and forth, like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? What are you doing that? Yeah. Like, maybe we'll do the party or whatever. And we kind of were just BSing back and forth, and I was like, holy cow, man! Like, it whether it was camping or at another thing, I was like, you guys are just hitting the like you said, hitting the ground running and just like fire under the feet at every event and doing stuff and it's just really cool to see and it's just yeah it goes to show like i said like how much you end up being a, kind of a staple of the community and you know it's just been super approachable like i know matt like you and i haven't met in person yet but even like with derek and stuff like i think everybody notices that when they meet you guys in person and what they say too like no one's has anything but great things to say you know just about the people that run it alone, like let alone the products and stuff, right? Like you guys are awesome guys. So it's just, wow, I think I'm I think blushing right now, Aaron. <laughs> well, yeah, <good. laughs> but I think, uh, yeah, no, I just I think like everybody wants to see guys like yourself successful, right? Like it's like when you're doing things for the community that way and putting out quality stuff, but then being there at events and you know not hiding in the corner trying to be the best of the best or something, but you're getting out there and getting to know everybody and stuff. It's just really becomes like i said like i keep reusing the word staple but just kind of like a really fundamental block of like the community right now it feels like right like mm-hmm. you know everyone is coming back to you um i know you guys are kind of mentioning you might do something in the winter were you still thinking about doing like at the cave like a potential winter shoot in the colder months um in heisler you mean yeah like yeah yeah, yeah i think in the, the the Archery Club, we actually had a meeting the other night. I think we will probably try and put on a couple. We did one last year. We did an indoor 3D shoot, and I think it went really well. I mean, I think we had like 40 or so people show up. I mean, I, for us, we were quite content with the amount of people that were there. I thought it was for awesome. Sure. Um, the feedback we got was pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think we probably are planning. We're going to try and put uh, three or four on throughout this season, try and coordinate cool. with some other local clubs, some other clubs around us. So we're not, you know, we're not stepping on each other's toes, trying to put on these indoor 3D shoots, um, mm-hmm. you know, because there's not many clubs around who can shoot um, indoors kind of as far as we can. Um, yeah. 40 yards. So, yeah, you kind of want to, don't want to, draw too many guys away from other shoots i mean so then everybody's kind of yeah getting their practices in i've been talking to um brazo county or the brazo bowbenders yeah out of drayton valley there and uh trying to coordinate with them as well because they do they put on at least four a year so trying to coordinate with them kind of when they're going to do theirs so that we're not doing the same weekend yeah, yeah, that's kind of the plan. Yeah, do some more indoor shoots. Um, we might get into doing some some paper shooting, some twenty yard paper shooting yeah. kind of thing. So, lots yeah. of things hopefully going to happen here in the winter. Yeah, and that's honestly, you know, especially when like I know even around Edmonton and area here, like as far as I'm aware, there's like three or four indoor ranges in the city. There's the indoor range out in Strathcona County that we have. There's the Parkland Bowbenders, and I'm and I don't want to shoot myself in the foot or wrongfully say what they have for indoor because I haven't actually been there yet. When I would love to go, but yeah. I'm not 100 percent sure what they have for an indoor, but um, or if they do. Yeah. But from my understanding, like 
Edmonton and area and the ranges I've been within, you know, a half hour, 45 minute drive from my house is like all 20 yards. So I get pretty, uh, I don't know if like cabin fever or what it is like cooped up mm. in the winter. And, uh, other than hoping for like a nice winter day to go shoot out the farm, um, we don't really actually have, like you say, a lot of options. I don't know how many people yeah. actually have a lot of options past 20 yards for indoor in the winter. So when you were talking about doing like a, or like doing a shoot like that again down there, I was like, man, I would, I'd drive down for it because I'm so cooped up all winter that, yeah, I'd love to come down and shoot. And yeah, man, even if it's even down. if it's not a shoot, come down some Friday or Saturday or whatever. Come on down. We'll, we'll, we'll host you. But there's also yeah. so Grand Central Archery out of Red Deer there. They've got, I think they're up to 35 yards. Oh, really? Opening up here now, yeah. Just opened up this this weekend, I guess midweek last week. But, yeah, they're just, just, just getting going. And I think their plan, they are they want to bring in some 3D targets and they want to put on some shoots, man. So Red Deer's got a, some lanes again, which is great, which is awesome. Yeah. It's a little plug for Grand Central Archery there. <laughs> no, for sure. And, yeah, it's just there's also that one that just opened up in Calgary there as well. Yeah, Archery it's, World, yeah. Archery no, they're, World. they're going pretty hard right now. It's awesome. And that's, that's wild to see because I was, you know, looking at their stuff from when they opened and I'm like, Man, these guys are really doing it. And it's just cool to see that uh, just the growth in the community all around, like that people are coming back to, you know, archery or like bow hunting or whatever. It just seems to be really kind of, yeah, coming back full circle again where there's more of a community to it again. And I've really found that even the people that I've talked to within not only the, the hunting world, but within the bow hunting community is just, nothing but really, really good people. Like I have yet to really come across anybody bow hunting that I'm like, you know, who are you? You know, <laughs> like not a fan of this guy or whatever. Like, yeah. Better words. yeah. Yeah. It's a and it's a lot different. I know, like I said, for myself, classically, uh, rifle hunting and road hunting and everything else. Right. Like the way <laughs> I grew up, but like you said, it, it's, you can't just drive up somewhere and go shoot something with a bow, right? There's yeah. a lot more game planning, scheming, um, time, effort, energy, yeah. even the the discipline, right? With uh, being an archer, as opposed to not saying it should be similar to people shooting, right? With a mm -hmm. rifle or gun, but mm -hmm. not even close, right? It's, that's how I would say anyways, with my experiences. So no, I, I definitely agree with you there. And as I joke though, that yeah, I used to, uh, or got into it so I could extend my hunting season by two months at least. Yeah. Now more and more people are getting into archery, which is great, but now I'm seeing more people out there. Yeah. <laughs> so guys are, right, you got your general muley for around here and stuff, and guys are, yeah, out hunting and stuff. You yeah. go for a drive and used to just be bird hunters. And now yeah. like, you see guys like, oh, what do you know? Oh, we're just out for a drive. And that's a nice thing in the evening, right? You might get a little spot in stock or something like that. But it's, yeah, uh, yeah definitely changed the timing or how many people you see out and about here uh, this, this time of year and it's like you said some of the best uh for myself hunting 20 say plus years with the rifle i can name a few of those instances compared to the intimate times that i've had now in in archery or chasing animals or just getting close and still never even uh drawing back right like exactly yeah a lot more intimate i think that word's pretty strong in my vocabulary yeah. with it with yeah. the animals right yeah well, and it's funny too, because, you know, it's hundred percent like that's, I think a lot of the reason, and it was the exact same reason that I had gotten into bow hunting as well was to extenuate the season. Like, cause even now you see a lot of these guys that are like, 
super stoked for whitetail season. They're like, it's whitetail season or whatever. And that's like all the rifle guys, right? Just being like, hunting season's just about to start. And we're all here. It's like, all right, we're halfway through it. You know, <laughs> we're tagged out and you're done. Like Derek, yeah. the last couple of years, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's got his uh, whitetail buck. He's like, I'm done. Like, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing to look forward to. And I'm always on the nervous side because, you but, know, you always see the big one when you don't have the tag, right? I'm like, yeah. oh, do I want to yeah. burn it on a white, on a certain whitetail buck or whatever? And it's like, uh, you know, we yeah. need a reason to go with the boys. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, last year, last year I was tagged out early because I, Aaron, I'm more of like a, would would you call it, like an opportunistic hunter? I guess yeah. I would call it. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not overly picky. You can't and... eat the horns. You're right. You can't eat the horns, <laughs> and he likes to eat the meat. So I agree, yeah. which I, like I do as well. Yeah. So I, I mean, last year, I mean, yeah, early season, September eighth is when I got my buck, my white tail mm-hmm. buck, and he was a nice little four point. I mean, I was super soaked with him. It's the biggest deer I'd ever gotten. I mean, with my short short career so far. Yeah. And then I mean. Yeah, and then the bull, the bull moose I got. I mean, he was a little bullwinkle. He's just a little dude, but well, still no. so good. Well, we'll get into more of that just <laughs> instead of glossing over the little bull. So yeah. we went out. Uh, his parents were in town, which was good. His dad. Oh yeah, oh, yeah we'd went out. Emory. The, yeah, every had went out. That we'd went out was it the week before or something like that, <laughs> and had a had a good stock on a moose. And they weren't. There was near the end of the rut, and they weren't running that so, hard. So I got I to gotta put you into the scenario here. So my dad has never hunted before in his life, right? And okay. growing up, not hunting, he goose hunted a bit. I guess I should, should retract that. He goose hunted a bit. The only time I ever saw my father, like, kill an animal was we got, we just drove home from a hockey practice. And we drove up our lane. We lived on an old acreage back in PEI and, get up to the top of the lane and kind of can look over a field. And, uh, and we looked out to the field and we saw our neighbor's dog, which was this massive Husky dog. And he's pawing at this goose. And we're like, what the heck's going on? And so my dad notices that the goose isn't flying away. It's obviously injured. Dad goes and gets a shovel and goes out and kills this goose. (laughs) (laughs) So that was his, that was my, my vision of my father as a hunter. So <laughs> carry over to last year. My, my parents are in town in September and I've got my bull tag and uh, Matt and some other buddies. We decided, okay, let's go out and we're going to try and find some moose. So I think at one point, I think I was chasing a moose or I was, we we're trying to sock on a moose. And I remember at one point, dad ended up in some trees and my dad he, he's like walking around with us the whole day it was it was epic it was awesome he he, he couldn't move the next day but he, <laughs> that day he was doing really good but at one point dad came pretty much face to face with a moose like no I, way he says face to face but i'm pretty sure it was like 30 yards away but for him it was like <laughs> you know like shitting himself kind of thing and yeah. so <laughs> I, I, I love that, that he actually was able to see a moose that close, right? Like being yeah. guys, we've got coyotes, right? <laughs> and we got rabbits. I mean, we don't have any big game. So for him to be able to come out here and to be that close to an animal, especially that size, for me was, was yeah, was, was awesome. I mean, and that weekend we didn't end up getting Not anything we yeah we chased the whole yep. weekend but 
nothing that weekend. So no, it was it was pretty cool to have my parents here for that for them. Yeah. yeah. And that's exactly like you were saying too, Matt, was like, you know, not even drawing back on something that close or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like for exactly like you said, for him to experience just being that close and man, 30 yards, like moose are so big, even if it's a small moose, you know what I mean? Like they're mm-hmm. so big that when you're that even 30 yards, 18, 20 yards, whatever it is, like it is like, holy, like there is a whole demeanor of, yeah, heart rushing kind of adrenaline there. Even like you said, whether you're even hunting or not or drawing the bow back or not, it's just getting yeah. that close. It, it's still going to get your heart rate flying and you're like, holy smokes, oh, yeah. like, this is nuts. So. So no, but back to Derek's uh, first uh, art. Yeah, it was yeah your first archery moose, right? Our first archery moose. First yeah. archery moose. And this was uh, the one so you guys were talking about that? earlier. That you were like, "Oh, this is like one of his good moose stories." Yeah. Well, well I mean, good moose stories. My only moose story, Aaron. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we yeah, have the video and and everything actually on camera actually worked out good. But no, so we were no, driving no. around more or less looking, and sounds weird and. The prairie well, hunting that we do, yeah, you can drive around and you sort of spot and then there's find a find a bush or an area or see where they're at and try to pull them in, right? And get, yeah. get up close. So no, we got yeah. So I came picked you up mm-hmm. or I came met Matt at his place. This mm-hmm. is the following weekend. And this week this following weekend, my dad didn't want to go. He's like, No, no, you guys go out, it's fine. <laughs> I'm like, All right, dad, you're tired. That's cool, that's cool. <laughs> so I go and meet we meet Matt and we left your place here. We went, uh, what, where did we go? We went the, the, yeah, yeah, the back road. We went east mm-hmm. and we saw a moose right away. And so we thought, well, let's, let's get a spot on. Let's, let's do this. So we got out of the truck and got into a field and we kind of watched him. Matt's, Matt's an epic caller. And so <laughs> he starts doing his calls and, and uh, this guy doesn't want anything to do with us. Right. So he, he doesn't, doesn't care. So we ended up getting back in the truck and we kind of just drove away and we're kind of watching them. And then we decided, Oh, I think we'll be able to kind of get ahead of them. Mm-hmm. So we, we drove around and I jumped out of the truck and, and I ran through the field, kind of got to some trees where he was coming across and sure enough, he was coming across. I'm like, okay, I, I might get be able to draw back and he'll get close enough, but he didn't, he didn't come close enough. And so I, I let down and kind of, <laughs> I, I like to chase after moose. I like I like to run after them, find out where they're gonna go, and so that's what I did. So I put my release away, and I have a, a Carter Wise release, a thumb release. Yeah. Put it away, and so I had to climb under a fence, and then I'm kind of walking out, walking walking towards this moose, kind of watching where he goes, so that we can kind of possibly get at him again. And sure enough, he gets away. And so I come to come to the next field and meet up with Matt, get in the truck, and I feel in my 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 jacket pocket. I'm like, touching my belly, I'm like, where's my release? Oh no. I'm like, oh shit, uh, where's my release? And so hey, we kind of yeah, and so we're kind of like, oh no. So we retrace our steps. I go into the where I where I thought I went under the under the fence and no it's not there went back to where i drew back and like it's not here like of course panic setting in well i do have another release but it's at home okay whatever so we go back i go to where i drew back which was at these bushes and then no it's not here go back to the fence 
And where I went under, I'm looking, I'm like, it's not here. But then something drew me a little further to the east. And sure enough, there it was on the ground. But it wasn't where I thought I went under. And wow. luckily, like, there was my release. So a little, and I I should have put it, I should put the, the little wrist strap that comes with it. <laughs> yeah. I should put that back on it, but I still haven't for this season. But yeah. yeah so no proud to, that's not a cheap release either. You know, like, yeah. it's just, yeah. So we found it and then we ended up getting back in the truck and we drove, oh, jeepers, not even three or four or five miles. Yeah, yeah three or four miles. And just south of my house, actually, we kind of were driving up and we could see in the field there's some moose. And we're like, well, what the heck? There's a, what was there like? There's five bulls, a cow, and two calves. Yeah. And oh. like in a field. And I know, right? When you say that, people like it doesn't even seem real. It, it didn't seem right? real. And I've I've been fortunate enough. I think it was the universe just saying, "Okay, he's got to at least hit one of these." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and we've had times over the years, like said, moose and getting more and more uh, proficient, or more of them showing up. And I've had times where we've drove through, like even looking for birds or doing different things. Mm -hmm. Where heck, I've the one the most I still remember was like thirteen moose in a half section. Like just yeah. littered sometimes a cow, two calves, a cow, two calves. Yeah. So it happens like that sometimes. But anyways, like you said, we come around this corner and holy shit, like there's a lot of moose there. So we're like, well, we got to be able to do something. Yeah. So <laughs> there was a ravine or whatever and uh, some brush. So I'm like, well, sure, let's start. And we checked our wind. We were good there. We were to the south of them and the wind was very little at all. Really from oh, the it was, northwest. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was pretty calm. So anyways, we just kept sneaking above. And honestly, we got to probably, what was it, about 100, maybe actually 150, yep. 200 yards. Yep. And we could start hearing the cow talk to her calves. And we wow. had it all on audio. And it was just unreal. Like, you know, when you make your cow calls yeah. and stuff like that, and you think you sound decent, or you don't know what you sound like to some degree. <laughs> but to hear her calling to her two calves. It was, yeah, it was unreal. It was unreal. And like I said, we were a little after the rut, for sure. Um, a hardcore uh -huh. moose rut. But uh, anyway, so we're just like, and then oh, there's all these bulls and they were in, then they were moving into the, the willows and the bushes and stuff. And it's like, come on, like, we got to get a chance here. We kept moving closer. And like you said, just sort of wait. And then all of a sudden they came out to the, the west of us and I sort of hunkered down and Derek went to the other side of the little ravine mm. and he got right on the edge and he had good tall covered grass or whatever. And sure enough, if these moose don't start walking out of the bush and this time they've walked we're facing north and they've walked across and now they're coming to the west and sure enough the cow and two calves yeah and then one bull two bull <laughs> and it's like three, three bull. bull and i'm just like and meanwhile you'll hear and i'll send the uh, the video and the pictures and the audio i'm just trying to cow call i'm like trying to get these bulls to stop and like check me out like to give them an opportunity to shoot right and yeah. sure enough like you know they're going by and you know range wise i'm like oh they're they're close. I think it was anywhere from what, 40 to 50 yards. From yeah. So they were I, yeah. So I'm sitting there on, on that, that side of that ravine and, and I'm trying to range them. So first, first moose goes by, I'm trying to range it. it. It's not picking up. I'm like, why can't I range this thing? Second one can't range it. And then I think at one point you can see in the video, I, I dropped my range finder. So like there I am like what okay so third one goes by I finally no. grab it I pick it up I can't get a range but then the fifth one 
for some reason it gives me a range. It's 49 yards. And I'm like, all right, well, this is it. It's the last one. So I got to <laughs> send it. So sure enough, I, I draw back, I settle in and yeah, send it. And yeah, perfect shot, perfect placement. And yeah, he went maybe I, about 200, 250 yards and, yeah. and dropped and you could see him. Yeah. Kick and fall over. And, uh, but at the same what? time, I'm, I'm cow calling the whole time, trying to get them to look and stop. Yeah. And they would stop. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, come on, buddy. What are you doing? I, I can only imagine what you, and, what's going on in your head. Like, And then finally, like you said, he took a great shot and perfect uh, kill or whatever. And yeah, like you said, the emotion and the excitement in some of the video, like you said, is just priceless. And just share that and do that with you. Buddy. And like I said, yeah, that was, was, yeah, that was last October, wasn't it? It was October 10th. Yeah, yeah. I actually the the, the pictures came up on my my feed. Yeah, okay. The other day, so I mean, yeah, it was it was emotional. <laughs> it was very. It emotional. was very it was emotional. Cool. I mean, I, I never thought I'd get that emotional over over killing an animal, but I mean, it was. Yeah, yeah. I never thought I'd ever shoot any animal at at fifty yards, mm-hmm. or or like try. But I mean, for for me, have being able to go into the archery club throughout the winter and to be prepared uh, Mm -hmm. mentally and and all that to be able to shoot 40 yards at least i think that gave me the confidence to say you know what it's another 10 yards let's just do it i mean uh, Mm -hmm. that was the and yeah i mean and then one of the the best parts was like said family so we're always right away it's the call yeah guys get here so sure enough (laughs) my boys and my wife come bridget's i mean derek's wife and uh girls come and his dad and mom. And so we got tons of pictures with all the families in there. And to me, that's our biggest thing. Like you said, growing up with my parents and stuff, it was yeah. more of the harvest rate right, of the animal and the celebration and, well, of course, and, 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 and neighbors and family. So we're also <laughs> efficient too. We had a good friend, uh, Matt Badger, he lives about what a mile North. Mile so he north brought his telehander yeah, and brought his picks jacket. up the moose and throws it in the back of our truck as well. <laughs> And then we got other friends that their drive ticket there. And yeah, you just, you share things community or yeah. as I joke around here, you never shoot a cow moose unless you know where you're going to be able to have a neighbor with a tractor or be yeah. able to pull up with it in a trailer. Yeah. That's where that's spoiled out here. Yeah. <laughs> no, Man, that is, pretty awesome. Yeah. That's so epic. And it is, uh, it's kind of similar around here. Like I'm, I'm really fortunate that same thing. Like we've got a neighboring farm next door and the owner there he's so nice uh and he's same thing he's like oh anytime i call him in hunting season he's like do i need to bring the tractor <laughs> he's like <laughs> we have the general it's literally his first words like when i shot that buck on september 1st this year and uh i called him just to be like dude i shot a cranker of a buck and as soon as i he answered the phone i was like dude he's like do i need to bring the tractor like same thing i'm like no no i was like it's not a moose man i'm like but this thing's been through it, but that, yeah, no, that's awesome. And people sometimes take for granted, or it's always easier to nowadays text and at least ask for permission. Things have changed a lot in the last 20 or 30 years around here and just be yeah. more respectful and stuff like that. But a yeah. big thing is half, half the farmers, if you get a hold of them and say, Oh, what are you guys out looking for? That yeah, I'm not saying nine out of ten, but most of them will punch in the right direction. Yeah, they should be over here around uh, four to five o'clock, or yeah. it comes up through the valley here, and yeah. like they, you know. A lot of them are not saying nuisance or whatever to some degree, but moose, right? Like they're hard on vehicles, a safety risk. Like there's, there's a lot out here to say the least. So 
people are happy when they get harvested the right way instead of by a vehicle and end up in the ditch and everything else. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's just so cool to have that community. Cause I know like, even for yourself, Derek, that like that high that you get, I don't want, I don't know what word to use for that. Like you said, like very emotional experience, but like, you know, to have your family around and like a support network of people, like you just, I don't know. It, I feel like when that happens, you just feel like on top of the world. And it's like, yeah those first few days even after when you're like this is surreal like you like you said i didn't think i'd take an animal at 50 yards or what have you like there's all these kind of like different factors where you're like oh this is how it played out or like dropping your rangefinder and it not working and like all these variables that kind of like build into the story and then it's like those are the things you think about like for the next four or five days when you're just like i can't believe that like then this happened and then you know like there's just so much excitement and everything pumping that like yeah no and then nobody can take that like i, I just love that because it's like that's like a like you say all the practice that you go through whether it's you know at the archery club or 3d range or at your targets or whatever you're like you see all of that hard work and everything like come to fruition. And then it's just like, I don't know, you, it puts you beside yourself. You know what I mean? You're just like, this is just remarkable. And I can't, and I've said this before on the podcast, but it's just like, there's nothing else in life I've ever had. That's in, I'm not trying to compare it. Like, you know, like getting married is amazing. Having your firstborn child, amazing, amazing <laughs> moments in life. I'm not trying to compare it to those moments or whatever, but there's just not a lot of other things in life that you work so hard to do. And then, you know, it's, it's the full circle of life. Like you're, you've taken something's life to continue your families and your own, like anybody that's eating from that animal. Like there's a very, I don't know, same thing, kind of like there could be a very spiritual or religious like connection to it as well. And it's just, it's totally. such an empowering moment that, yeah, it's, and yeah and you like giving yourself that as that gift of that moment through your hard work and dedication to it and then again like that feeling you get no one can ever like take that from you and be like oh that sucks like oh whatever you know it's like yeah it's crazy that's so wild. yeah no it's it's great i mean to be able to have these types of memories i mean <clears throat> yeah it's it, it is this hunting this whole hunting thing i guess i don't know man like I, I, these are probably some of the best memories I have in my life right now. Right. Like, yeah. Dude, me too. And it's cool to hear it like from yourself too. Like you said, when you only got into it in the last like five, six years or whatever, you know, whether it's bow hunting or the rifle stuff. And you know, it's like, like you said, out East, you didn't have a lot of opportunity to do it. No. Other than if you want to go goose hunting with a shovel, it's like, but no, it's so cool, man. Yeah. To just hear, hear how powerful it is. Yeah. yeah, and that is, and like you said, for hunters or whatever, that's why I usually enjoy each other's company. Like you said, sharing the mm -hmm. stories or the ones that got away, and uh, both of our backgrounds from sports or whatever. Derek sort of more in the rugby, myself in the hockey. And things when you get away from it is sort of that uh, the locker room is what we all miss, right? Being with the teammates and yeah. stuff. And that's yeah. another way that I know that we extended or whatever with myself, or I think of people that we're friends with now and stuff. It's like they're either hockey or hunting people that I still hang out with. Yeah. You're right. We, mm -hmm. we get together and tell the stories and the BS and, you know, harvesting, right? Like you're get to a point when you've fortunate enough and shot enough animals, you're just as happy to myself now at a stage where, you know, the land and, you know, people, I'm just excited to share people harvesting or show them or set them up. Right. Like to see their excitement. Well, last year, did you even take no. it? No, I didn't. Yeah, I think last year was the first year I didn't and shoot that, that was just my guide pretty much last year. I had a good idea. Yeah. One day I had two 
uh, buddies and their sons both shot their first whitetail bucks and yeah. that was a rifle. And like you said, but I'm, but I'm okay with that nowadays, right? Like just, just seeing that excitement and the share good photographer guy. <laughs> good video good, guy. Yeah. yeah. Good. At, oh yeah. Well, harvested two moose in one day. I'm good at gunning and skinning and everything yeah. else. Too, yeah, this is another, well. this is another business plug. You're like, yeah, the targets and stuff go good. Work goes good. But if you need a videographer, if you need a, that's so funny. Oh yeah. Like the, my dad or whatever, we used to have uh, our shop or whatever. And, he was same thing, big on horns, but more or less big on harvesting animals, right? Eating, loved, loved eating the meat yeah. or whatever. And we would have, yeah, there were some years there, like I said, my mom eventually got into it, me and my brother and my dad and my mom oh, and then cousins and neighbors. There'd be years where there'd be eight to 10 deer hanging in our shop, mm -hmm. right? Like then that's yeah. just November hunting. Like it was the wow. actually, yeah, the most epic, I think morning I had hunting or whatever, a buddy had came down and my wife or whatever, she had a moose draw and we went out and we, we spotted her moose. So her and the boys had came and uh, she shot her moose and then she had to go back with my parents to the shop. And then on the way home, we're just like, uh, me and a buddy, we spotted a white tail. Uh, long story short, we were able to harvest the white tail. I'll leave the short version there. <laughs> and we got back to the shop and it was like 9 30 in the morning i'm just like things are moving this was about the second yeah the last wednesday of november like we got to get back out there anyways we went out we shot a coyote and a mule doe we had four species before 11 o'clock back in the shop holy smokes dude what yeah that was and that was there's a nice bull that my wife harvested there but yeah that was to me we had them all lined up i got a picture in the old shop there my parents place and dude. that was just like yeah, it, it's happening. And I get buddies that same thing come down usually for one or two nights a year that, yeah, it's just like, hey, what tags you guys got? And like, yeah, okay, well, let's go fill them tomorrow and harvest all the animals. And because everyone loves eating the meat. And yeah, so, yeah, that was that was a good morning. That one to say the least. But one of the, the funnier experiences, I remember uh, <laughs> we were up north there. So I think we we're by Fox Creek area. And I, I same thing for myself. I'd never called an animal in my life till, probably till about six or seven years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, got in with, like I said, different cousins and friends. And they go up in the bush and, like I said, get in the rut and calling and things like that. But anyways, we were up there and there's three of us sort of all along the, the riverbank. And sure enough, we're sitting there waiting for an hour or so. And then all of a sudden hear a big bang like oh that's exciting right like it was someone in our group must have shot something yeah. so we waited and then always give time or whatever and then about half an hour later i start walking to where he was and sure enough i, I see my buddy chris there and i'm just like like and he's and he's got the got the buck there and here here he's got a smaller smaller white-tailed buck which is you know it was his first buck so i'm just excited as, as he is for it i was like what happened he's like well it was on the other side of the river like a stream small river he's like i shot it and it fell over and then and then it twitched and then it kicked and then it ended up in the river <laughs> like are you serious he's like yeah i'm like and he's like well there's my my track so he he geared down to nothing he grabbed a stick and as this buck was coming across he waited waited in the water like up to his chest had to go across with the stick across the river uh, stream, not hard flowing river, but anyways, grabbed the buck, pulled him back to the shore, geared up. By the time I got there, he was all geared up and everything. And he's just, <laughs> he wasn't naked in the woods. Like, this kid's, he's, 
yeah, he's funny and wild to say the least. I was going to say crazy, but no, he's just, he's, he's fun. <laughs> and I'm just yeah. like, that, like, that's awesome. And he's like, so now what do we do? I'm like, well, let's knock the guts out of it. And I guess we're carrying it out of here. And he's like, all right, like, how are we going to do that? And I was like, I, again, I'm mostly a prairie hunter. So usually it's you back up or you got to, <laughs> yeah. my dad, grab, <laughs> yeah, grab the truck or someone's tractor. Or if it's in the bottom of a river hill, you got a whole bunch of rope and you pull it down there and drive the truck up and I'm like, well, yeah. what do you got? And I'm like, I had no, at this time I pack a lot of stuff better in my backpack and like, well, let's, so we cut a two big pieces of uh, poles or whatever. I'm like, do you got any snare wire or anything? I'm like, nope. So here enough, we used our belts. We took both of our belts off. <laughs> we belted the deer around the poles and we literally had our rifles and our backpacks. And then it was about probably two and a half, three miles, sort of through Muskeg, then up a hill. And we literally carried it on our, this smaller white tail buck on our shoulder and we ran into a buddy as we're going up he's like could hear us he's like comes down he's like what are you guys doing and it's like well he shot this buck and he's like what and it was again big for him smaller to most and he's like like usually if you're going to do something like that it's going to be the big one because it was a bitch to get out of there right yeah and he's just like you guys are idiots yeah we know and sure enough we he like all right i'll bring the truck meet you guys at the road and so we kept walking through the muskeg up a few hills got to the road they met us that night or whatever same thing uh finished uh skinning them hung them for the night we he did up some uh, deer tartare and we were in a camper's or a trapper's tent or whatever right canvas tent and yeah still like i said lots of different experiences but that yeah, him having to get Buck to get his small white tail that kicked into the river and get up back to camp. And yeah, it was, it was a great time to stay the least. I love That's that. hilarious. <laughs> That's just so funny running into Buddy too and him being like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. We got a deer on our shoulders. We got two poles yeah. and we got deer. He's like, what are you guys like? We're, I still have the same like, belt, and he has his. I know. I was just like, yeah, we used a belt. Like, it's like just, Lord of the Flies. Type <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> Dude, that's too funny, man. Oh, oh my man. goodness. He, yeah, and still just happier than hell. And like you said, <laughs> the stories again. And most people know that, right? Like the size mm -hmm. and the horns, you can't eat them or whatever. But the story no. and the brotherhood, like we're connected for life for what I did with him that time. He says, yeah. "Oh man, thank you so much." Yeah. It is what it is, right? Like I leave no person behind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what you do. You shot it, you harvest it, right? So let's yeah. get it out of here. Yeah, and that gives me goosebumps. But it's true though, and you know, it's so, it's so cool because um, I think at first, like you're always chasing that, like that feeling of success or what it's going to be like, and all this kind of stuff. And then once you do experience, like I know, even for myself, it's it becomes like a you know, all of a sudden you just want to help everybody. And, you know, even like you said, like not harvesting anything last year or whatever, right? Like, but still being there for countless other people's opportunities. It's, mm -hmm. it's huge. Like you, like you end up vicariously living through other people when you see them go through, whether it's your kids or family members or friends, like going through that emotion of success and that same emotion that we were just talking about with Derek's story and stuff too. And then you see someone else go through it and you're like, you, you just get that stoked too, right? Like, cause you, you know what that feeling's like and you know what they're going through and, you got to show them because part of that experience is being like, man, you've got to do this. You know what I mean? Like once you do it once you, you're like telling your buddies, like go out and try that. And that's a crazy experience. Right. So it's like, you, you all kind of ultimately right away want other people to experience that 
that feeling and everything. And yeah, it's just so cool is, you know, I actually yesterday, funnily enough, it's the only time I've ever ran into someone in the bow zone. And I've mentioned before that uh, my in-laws property backs into kind of like a least public section of the bow zone. And I usually keep out of it just because there's other guys bull hunting in there and I don't try to, you know, get in their way or anything like that. And then try to kind of keep in my peaceful little private section. It's not very big, but it's enough for myself to hunt for sure. And yeah, so I try not to be greedy and go into where there's other guys in the public stuff. And, but I've been doing some recurve like traditional hunting recently, just to try to make things even harder, I guess. And then, uh, I finally, I've seen this guy parked on the side of the road and he's, he'll probably end up listening to this episode because through this interaction, we were talking about the podcast and stuff too, but uh, I won't bring up his name maybe just in case if he doesn't want me to or anything like that, but it's super, super, super nice guy. And uh, it was the first time I've ever actually bumped into another guy bow hunting. And it was funny because it's just like that camaraderie of like, I've never met this dude before. And both of us are like, Oh man, well, if you need any help, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I know buddy with a tractor over here, whatever. And it's like part of you, once you do the process, even like I'm, I've thoroughly loved the process of like, you know, gutting, like skinning and butchering an, an animal. And, and a lot of people don't realize how, again, same thing, maybe for a lack of better terms, like a very like therapeutic that is because you're very much in tune with your food. Like all of a sudden you're part of the process of, and you know, it's, in, in my perspective and i'm sure in your guys too and for a lot of people um you know like the nitty-gritty stuff of like pulling the guts out and things like that like um, a lot of people might think it's gross and stuff but i think a lot of the time when you're sitting there looking at a dead animal a lot of times you're thinking to yourself like you know like you said with that one that you guys had to drag out with the belt and stuff like that it's like <laughs> you pretty much owe it to that animal at that point you can't just leave them there and be like oh whoopsie daisies you know what i mean like you're looking at this thing and you're like well ended its life to continue our own and you know it's we owe it to the animal to do it that service of you know or you know getting your hands a little bit dirty or spending however many hours everyone always calls it work right they're like oh once the animal's down like that's when the work begins but it's like that is like such enjoyable work you know what i mean it's like you, i agree you, that's when the celebration begins of everything yeah, man, yeah. the animals the celebration i believe right and i um, like that. lots of buddies that love like you said They'll, again, horns, they can't eat them, so they don't care. Just shoot something. Let's get it down. They yeah. want to get their arms in there, right? Yeah. Get in there. And just, yeah, I love harvesting the, the animal, right, at the end of the day. And mm. I know I never even took biology in school, but I know more about anatomy from <laughs> all the different yeah. animals and different things I've done or what happens when you hit animals certain ways. And yeah. the last thing we ever want and is mm -hmm. any animal to suffer. And they, people don't realize that, especially the non-hunting community. is like, oh, you just do this. It's like, we want one shot dead, quick fall over, quick every day of the week. It, yeah. It's the yeah. worst thing for the animal and for us if if it's not a perfect kill. And we all we aim for that, but nothing is in life's perfect. But no, it's mm -hmm. a lot more humane than them getting hit hit by a vehicle and dying in a ditch or an animal eating them alive, right? If you can give them exactly. quickness to death, and yeah, they've served a good purpose too. Exactly, and people really don't don't think about how ruthless nature is, right? Like. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it was maybe it was on Alberta Hunting Addicts or it was on one of these pages or forums recently. You guys may have seen it, but there's a picture of this bull moose and uh, it had slipped in between like two cracks of like maybe a little rock or canyon kind of face mm -hmm. and it got its antlers caught. So it basically just hung by its antlers and someone just found 
just the bones, like the whole carcass and everything. I don't know how many years it had gone by or whatever, right? Like, oh, wow. it, and all they found was basically just like the spine and the legs and the head of this moose, just like hanging from its unfortunate circumstance of getting caught between for again, a rock and a hard place, I guess, or whatever, right? But <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, but then it is like it's like man like nature can be so ruthless like these things even when you look at how a coyote eats an animal right like they don't sometimes they don't kill it right away right like they'll eat it from the butt first or whatever it's like there's there's a lot of horrible ways for these things to go in nature alone so it's like it's a hard argument sometimes when people are like oh you guys are ruthless killers or what's fairness yeah it's fundamentally i think people give a lot more of a crap about you know the population and the animals and the experience and sharing that connection with their family and the food that they're eating and stuff than than anyone really realizes right but and and like you said people don't realize the same thing where all the money for conservation everything else is coming from it's from hunters right we want there to be areas and huge bucks and big moose and all over the place right like we're doing the yeah all the money that we're spending every year that for all these tags that we don't even fill well that's just Mm -hmm. going to help right for all that conservation and everything else and it reminds mm-hmm. me of the same thing. We were going up north to hunt or whatever, and it was moose this year, and I pulled mine up there. And on the way out, actually, we were staying at my cousin's uh, cabin, and on the way up to the bush, here enough, if a moose hadn't got caught up in a fence and his leg, mm-hmm. right? So he was, he was caught up in there. And long story short, my cousin went up there and a mm-hmm. uh, bit of uh, some pliers or some snips and cut the wire. And <coughs> it's kind of... Uh, ironic that we let that moose go but we actually got up there and he was the person we went hunting uh what we were up there for three days or whatever and the second day we had came back to camp and had it was a slow day or whatever and he's just like do you guys hear that and it was like serious like we're in camp he's in his boxers or it's like noon (laughs) and we're like serious cracking a cold one maybe and just like he's like yeah i heard a bark over there like moose and sure enough whatever but i was the rookie in camp so i'm like okay yeah sure enough so i walked down it's probably about 200 300 yards down a cut line and i walk and this time they're just the very new to calling so i'm kneeling down making a little call and sure enough i come around this corner and there was another uh another open uh what's word i'm looking for not lane cut but line. cut line thanks yeah another cut line and here enough sure enough there was a bull moose there so get down <laughs> on one knee and rifle pull and i killed him or spined him or less he dropped right there and sure wow. enough i walk up and we have the signal for if you're gonna if your moose is down or whatever so i do that and then anyways they they come and yeah sure enough though like just random luck or good karma right you do one <laughs> thing to let an animal go but yet to harvest in the right area that you were yeah and yeah. same thing that night we harvested the moose right there and quad and there's like four or five of us and cooked him up hey my cousin did he's yeah, onions and bacon and the moose heart and the fire and the coals and sitting around having beverages with each other. And yeah, another classic time, like you said, eating from right liver and heart, things like that, that, you know, when yeah. done right, and, as well as in, in the bush, how, how good things can taste. It's amazing. Everything, oh, yeah. tastes, good in the everything tastes good in the bush. When with bacon, <laughs> everything's better with bacon. But it was, yeah, it was my first bush moose to bush, say the, bush, bush moose yeah otherwise prairie moose around here yeah yeah well and it's cool I'm, i was even going to ask you too derek as like i know people use the word like adult onset hunter or whatever but i noticed like even for myself when i got into hunting and stuff like 
I don't know if it was similar to you when we're talking about like, and even when Matt, you said like these different, these different cuts and like, you know, more about the anatomy of the animal or what have you. Right. Um, did you find like, even when you were eating, say like not wild game, like even if you went out for say like a steak for dinner, Derek, did you find that like, you were like more aware of like where off the animal, like that piece of meat was coming from and stuff like that? Like, did it kind of put you more in tune with some of the other food you were eating out and about? Uh, I would, I, I wouldn't say so. Yeah, Not like really you already well. knew. Pardon? Like you already had an idea, like where flank steak would be coming off of, or something like that, or where a roast would come off of, or something. No, not at all. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. To to not sound stupid, I don't really. Yeah, you didn't know that as much before. You're supposed to harvest in your own. No, life. and I mean now I know a little bit more. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Just because now I do a lot of the butchering myself. I do. I'll, I'll debone it all myself and I've got a, a meat bandsaw in the, in the front of the shop now. So I'm kind mm-hmm. of building a little butcher butchering area, I guess you could say. And then a friend of ours, Travis has a, has a big cooler. So that's where I've taken all my animals and hang them in his cooler. And then nice. when I'm ready, then I, I take them home and debone them all and make burger and, I think the last year we didn't know this last year didn't we didn't make sausage we were gonna make salt we made sausage two years previous and then last year we just couldn't get together but i think yeah i think this year we will be and i mean for for me and, and my family i mean my wife tanya she she was raised in this area and <laughs> she she had tried wild game before in the past um whether it wasn't cooked properly or whatever um but then when i brought wild game home like whether it be deer deer loin or or moose moose loin or moose steak i don't i I think like you said it's it's all about how you cook it and tanya and my girls now i mean last year i was supposed to go up north to get an elk a late season i had a late season cow elk tag and my buddy and I, Noel, and we didn't end up going because it was warm and it was we where we were supposed to go. They weren't seeing any cows out. And Tanya was upset. She was angry with me that I actually didn't bring home an elk. And I mean, so, yeah. So, I mean, things have changed in, in our household. It's when it comes to hunting season, it's it's kind of it's become kind of full on now. And it's interesting because yeah. I'm actually spending a lot more time out in Wayne right now um trying to hunt elk and uh and I've, I've had some good experiences this this season a lot of a lot of cool up close but not successful experiences um but at one point i, I caught myself sitting in the trees kind of dazing off but i was thinking about like the olden days when the men had to go out and hunt for their families yeah. right? and to think that I failed so much <laughs> going out in the last, you know, since September one, mm-hmm. um, the amount of stress that that would have had on those men back in the day. Oh yeah. I, I, I couldn't even imagine it. And, and fair enough. I mean, we have jobs and full-time jobs now and it wasn't really the livelihood, but still the man had to go out and that was, that was their meat for the season. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the rules have changed. I mean, you know, like the season was probably all year long, but still, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. you didn't have just three months to get her done. 
I mean, but still, I mean, if you're well, so a crappy hunter, then you didn't, you didn't eat. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoy it. I, I love the fact that I go out and I harvest an animal. I bring it home. My family eats it and we are fed. We're full and we're grateful. You know, it's, it's like, I guess, yeah, it is. Like you said earlier there, Aaron, it is kind of spiritual. It is kind of like, you know what, when I'm preparing this, whatever neck roast off of a, off of a deer or whatever it is, the loin, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's, yeah, it's, it does. It, I guess you're right. It does mean a lot to be able to say, yeah, I harvested this. Or even when, when my uncle's from back East texts and they say, send me some jerky, some deer jerky. I haven't had any in years. Right. Mm -hmm. it, it does. Yeah. It feels good to know that you're, you know, providing for your family, but also mm -hmm. whatever, giving a treat to somebody who hasn't had it in a while. It's yeah. I absolutely, yeah, it's, 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 cool. it's definitely it's highly rewarding for sure and to like to touch on a few things that you mentioned there too like you know like for myself same thing like i had you know i always pictured this like invisible number of like and this is going to sound kind of weird but like an invisible number of like dead out like i don't know how many cattle had died in order for me to enjoy steaks and cheeseburgers my whole life growing up i don't know how many chickens died for me to eat chicken nuggets and crap you know what i mean like I had no, I mean, it was such a disconnect for me. And then the same thing, like, I was like, yeah, it would be like out for dinner, like, hey, dad, what's a T-bone steak? I'd be like, what's a sirloin? You know what I mean? Like, I, what cut is it from? I have no idea. You know what I mean? I didn't even know, the, like, we're back bacon. You know, it's like literally called back. You know, <laughs> it's like, I had no idea where a lot of these cuts and stuff like that came from on meat. And then, um, you know, like, my wife is very much like, she, her family is like first gen Italian. So, heavily heavily into cooking and gardening and everything mm. like that and you know we got to a point where um you know we were sitting down and having a plate of food and it was like all vegetables from our like our larger garden for our backyard for our size of yard and everything um we kind of just garden the heck out of it and yeah we, you know sitting down and having a plate and being like man like the meat came from like hunting that i had done and like you know mashed potatoes and carrots and peas had come from the garden that we have out back and you know to have our son sit down and eat a plate of food that you know we had procured from our hard work out there it, it, yeah it's just very meaningful right and and when yeah. you like you say when you're cooking that deer or whatever roast or anything you're doing it's there's some form of additional meaning or reward to even just the, the act of consuming it and eating it and it's uh yeah it's not a lot of words that I can find to put towards it for what it means to someone doing it but um yeah and then there's something else that you mentioned that too but that kind of strung something with me but i think it was more so like with my son because this this year was the first time like my son's just about three and uh this was really the first time that i got to feed him wild game like because since he was born i didn't have a lot of time to go hunting i wasn't really successful and then um right. getting this deer like beginning of the season like you know, even showing him the deer, I wasn't sure how he would react if he'd be like, oh, it's a dead animal or whatever, you know, <laughs> and uh, he was stoked, like, and it was funny because he has limited vocabulary right now, like, he, he's just started, sure. to, I shouldn't say now, like, now he's kind of ripping on paragraphs and stuff, but, you know, he had the odd words and stuff, and then he started to speak sentences and everything, and he's kind of just at that formulates good sentences and thoughts and paragraphs kind of age right now, um, and, you know, it's, and it sounds corny, but one of the best things ever was 
he came outside and the first thing he said was daddy shot a big one he was like daddy shot a big one and he's like that's a big deer and then so you know and he was just like stoked and then you know when we sat down and had that food and i was like this is the deer and he's like oh like he he was old enough to like make that connection in his brain that like what was outside in the back of the truck is now what's on the dinner plate that night and that it's okay to you know take that into your own hands and process it and procure it and everything and yeah it's a really powerful thing and i imagine for you guys with your kids getting a bit older now to share those experiences yeah. with them and stuff must be yeah it's, likewise it's really cool you said to the kids for myself now it's seven to nine it was always sort of the push hey guys let's go hunting or come with when they're young and stuff like that and now yeah it's sort of the pull they're just like uh or the push i guess they're just like hey let's go can we go hunting or whatever yeah and yeah. Always, right as males are competitive right you sort of want the bigger buck this or that and then you mm-hmm. realize, and I remember when I was a kid with my dad, like we didn't care how big it was. We just wanted him to shoot something. And so that's the hard thing, right? You only have a limited amount of tags, especially with yeah. big game, but trying to, yeah. you know, do a little, little bird hunting and things like that. But, and same thing to the, the butchering of the animals with the kids, right? If you're, mm-hmm. and it's all learned tendencies, I think, right? If you're not nervous or you don't say, ooh, or that's gross and keep the wife out of there when you're gutting, <laughs> you're good to go, right? yeah it's an exciting thing and oh here yeah and and now myself like teaching them right give them a knife let them start skinny right yeah. my boys love yeah. it i got pictures on the wall here of when they're just little and they got a knife and they're helping skin the moose and mm-hmm. you're just like, see like that's yeah. i got scars in my hands from skinning as well like just, everything <laughs> yeah. tells a story that's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, so cool though man and stuff that it, i'm looking forward to because like i said like even for myself i was not brought up that way my dad yeah. fished a lot him and i would fish quite a bit and everything but he never really hunted he was like he told me one day that what he wished he did he wished he was like a zoologist or something oh, no way. <laughs> and i was like that's pretty cool man but i mean i think he would have probably took to hunting had he realized same thing like how much compassion or care there is for the animal's life and stuff like that and that up close and personal interaction he probably would have really taken to it had he been in different yeah. circumstances and around different people that wanted to do that or push them to it. But uh, yeah, like I said, we'd fish all the time and stuff, but uh, yeah, it's just interesting. Cause I, I wasn't brought up with that. I was very much brought up in the like, Ooh, gross. And the, this is weird or whatever. Right. And then to kind of get through that and be like, Oh, this is really not bad at all. And then no. to now like raise my son this, this way. It's like interesting. Cause I'm like, man, this kid's saying stuff like the other day, he's seen like the side of a grocery bag or something. And there's like all these vegetables on the side of it, right? And he's like, that's a beet, that's a carrot, that's a, you know, onion. And I'm like, dude, I didn't even know the difference between a beet and an onion until I was probably 18, you know? (laughs) You're right. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's really cool to see. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. But it's like, it's surreal to see kind of how much of a sponge they are. And like you said, like I've seen a couple pictures of like guys with their kids, like skinning animals and stuff. I'm like, man, that's just so freaking cool to see. Yeah. <laughs> like kinda, it reminds me of a story when I, I think it was my first or I think it was my second deer I took. I brought it home and I was headed in the shop and Chloe came out, my 13 year old. And at that time she was maybe eight or nine and yeah. shepherd was there nolan was there and we cut off the hooves cut them off and then we're trying we're skinning this deer and i look her turn around and there's chloe with both the hooves drumming playing the drums <laughs> with these hooves. <laughs> I, just, I got a kick out of it and then and then, and then she's kind of hovering around and nolan's got his other his son there liam and and they're they're both looking at each other through the butthole <laughs> 
<laughs> and it was just funny that they they didn't they didn't mind it. You know, there was no ew mm -hmm. or gross. They just it was just it was just part of it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just part cool. of the process. Those are learned tendencies. Learned <laughs> tendencies, yeah, exactly. To say that ooh stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I think yeah. So yesterday, I ended up going out hunting with my twins with the, with the twin girls, the seven year olds. Yeah, I seen and, the picture uh, of you too. That was that was the first time they'd ever really been out with me where I was potentially going to kill something. Right, I had my bow. It was go time if something came in, and it was awesome. It was uh, it was neat for them to be able to sit there for two and a half hours. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of fidgeting. Mm -hmm. There, there's you know, they, they looked at my phone a lot, um, but they were there and they they didn't complain and and they're happy to do it. So I mean, that was really cool. That was a cool experience for me last night um, to do yeah. that. And this morning we went for a drive again, and and they were just counting deer and calling them out. Oh, there, there's a muley. Is it a buck or a doe? Well, it's a doe. So they're keeping tabs on, on what we saw this morning. And so mm -hmm. it, it's just neat to be able to bring them out with me now. And like Matt said, they actually want to go. There isn't, yeah. there isn't that, okay, guys, let's go. It's, Dad, are we going today? Are, are we going yeah. this morning? Are we going tonight? Can we go for a drive? So it's, it's, yeah, it's cool. It's that that one on one or well one on two with the twins, but it's yeah. that uh, you know, and taking the hour or hour and a half, whatever it is in the evening, and spending that quality time with them. I mean, yeah, it's hunting's bringing a, a new, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, like a new relationship. The kids, yeah, good way to spend time with the family. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, <laughs> without getting too, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. philosophical yeah. yeah well no man and that's i feel like it apparently part of it is because and, and it's funny and then i don't know this is a kind of a side throw into that where like you know when you were talking that's what it was when you were talking about uh like the history and stuff too right and you're like oh this is how guys would have like fended for their mm -hmm. families and stuff like that from years to come um you know i mentioned this like i think a couple episodes back but i'm gonna throw this out there again for you guys even to check out and i should send you this video but um and you even mentioned uh something about uh, the bow season in there as well so like it's funny because i got into this like really deep dive i was i don't know pretty scooped up sick for a couple days there with the old uh, fever and sweats and whatever for a couple days off um and so i just lay there like a vegetable watching old hunting videos and i found this 1922 to 1923 um arthur young so from the pope and young right yeah. um, and he was out in alaska and i don't want to go into too many details because i kind of just vouched out all the same stuff but i'm gonna send you the link because it's crazy this dude like you know with a traditional bow of course like a basically a self bow like a bow that he had built mm -hmm. um took like a huge bull up there and then they had no way to get the bull out because of the river so they made like a canoe out of the moose hide and then Holy. You know, oh, yeah wow. and, and then and this is like nonchalant right it's like and like this guy isn't like cameron haynes built or like some you know power lifter that's like you're gonna go deep in the bush and pull out an elk it's like this dude's like you know 511 and 160 pounds and he's like well we're gonna have to build a canoe out of this moose hide so we can transport <laughs> the moose down the river and it's, it's crazy you can, yeah and it's like you say like to just live out to and it's nuts video footage because there's no audio it's like a half an hour video and, and it's follows him from a year up in alaska and he like runs into like different Inuit and Eskimo and stuff like that and how they live and just the crazy stuff people were doing. And this is like a hundred years ago now. Right. Oh, but, wow. and then I got into the whole, like, 
and I think people are pretty familiar with the uh, like the history of Fred Bear and like all that stuff and like bear bows and everything. And uh, it was kind of interesting to see because he was like the reason that there's a bow season, right? So there was a rifle season and then bow hunters were just supposed to bow hunt like within rifle season. And then I think he was one of the first people that um, got into some bylaws passed where they could accommodate like two extra months prior to rifle season in order to have their own archery season because it was so much more difficult. And then obviously when rifles start going off, if like, that's one thing outside the bow zone, like, yeah, once you start getting into November outside of a bow zone where like, for me, it's nice because in November, you can't even discharge a rifle in this zone anyway. So it's a bow zone through and through the year. And then most people will leave, right? So like my issue this year is I tagged out my whitetail tag and I didn't pull any draws for anything for rifle. So I actually don't have anything to rifle hunt this year because right. I pulled my whitetail tag um, at the beginning of the season. And then it's funny because Strathcona County has an additional three whitetail tags that they released from October 25th to December 7th. So you get a bit extension of the season that's like an extra week into december um oh, and it's three more white tail tags it can be three does or two does in a buck or what have you um but anyway it's just i find that obviously when we come around to rifle season a lot of people leave the bow zone to go shoot rifles and it's nice because the bow zone gets a little bit more empty um but then in the same instance if you're somewhere where you're bow hunting and then rifle season kicks in it makes it really hard to even go out for bow hunting because yeah. we all know like things are spooking more with the sounds of rifles and stuff like that right so it's just yeah. really interesting to uh do some like deep diving and part of it is because of my weird backwards trajectory from compound hunting into traditional stuff again that i've gotten into um and just kind of really going back into that history like you're talking about there too like uh, how guys would have self-sustainably provided for their families that way and like you said there might have not been a season back way back then right but then once there became rifle seasons and stuff like that it was interesting how they had to like then get a bow season right like independently for something like that and if it wasn't for some of these guys like you know pope saxton pope and arthur young and fred bear and stuff like man i don't even know if archery would only exist as like a medieval pastime yeah like as a sport like target hunting or like in england like i don't know like longbow shooting or something you know which is still cool but yeah i don't know how much it would have really been incorporated into a hunting season and stuff and then uh yeah just to go back like i even like to think about when people are talking about like bow poundages and stuff or like everybody's talking about like oh like you know and this is just like stats that i've listened to in other podcasts and really like kind of talking about or reiterating but people have been like well, I'm going to have like my po my bow, like I'll work up my muscles in my back and my shoulders so that I can draw like an 80 pound bow, a hundred pound bow. So it delivers a more ethical kill for the animal or something like that. Right. And, and we are all, like you said earlier in, in the most interest of an ethical kill for these animals, like you said, too, Matt, like no one's wanting to watch an animal suffer or anything like that. Right. But uh, it's crazy too, because, you know, there's um, a really cool, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but there's like trad lab. It's like a guy that um, puts all these numbers and stuff to the test. Like he puts all these broadheads to the test, all these different arrow spines, all this. It gets oh, okay. pretty nerdy. It gets pretty nerdy and everything. But um, he does a lot of talking about, uh, you know, like successful pass throughs. And they're talking about like bows with like 40 pound draw weight that's a recurve or like a compound bow with like 70 pound draw weight. And, you know, even how they're both having successful pass-throughs, regardless of, you know, just about half of a difference in draw weight or whatever. Um, 
And it's just interesting to see all that because there's always seems to be this like ongoing trend of the faster, the better, the heavier, the better, the bigger, the better, which same thing. We're all trying to make sure that an animal gets the most ethical death. But in the reality of it, like 200 years ago, whatever people were making for bows was like Clovis points and stuff like that, or however many hundreds of years ago, right? It's like, we wouldn't have survived as a species and even have these arguments now or talked about these things if people weren't, you know, using some of the like lesser of equipment way back then, right? Like, to no, you're right. Comfort, right? They, they, they wouldn't have been using anything heavy. Yeah. So I just find it really funny because when I went back into like, traditional stuff i was always like oh is this going to be enough or oh is that going to be enough and then i started watching guys like on primitive on youtube and stuff and these guys are like i built a clovis arrow point out of a rock that i've smashed and <laughs> built a wooden arrow. and he walks up and passes it through a bison with like a 40 pound longbow that he whittled himself right and i'm like damn <laughs> yeah okay. no, it'll work <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and now all of a sudden the argument of like mechanical and fixed blade broadhead goes out the window i'm like this guy's shooting clovis man i'm like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway yeah it's a long-winded way but i just i like that thought process that you're talking about of like when you're out in the bush and you have that kind of philosophical like thought back to like you know how we were as hunter gatherers in a true uh reality back then and even to also Touching it and throw it out there. Um, I just my my brother's been living in Thailand for the last ten years, and he mailed me this book and gifted me this book, and it's called Civilized to Death. Um, if you guys ever have time to listen to it as an audio book or read okay. the book, it's incredible because it's uh, basically the contrast, right? It's the contrast of like modern day civilization and our technology and everything, and being like, you know are all of these technological advancements, both in like healthcare and other areas of our life, really building a better lives for ourselves. And it's in contrast to hunter gatherer tribes that even ones that were just still like, even when you look at like the Amish or stuff like that too, like people that have basically like diverted away from society. Right. Um, it's not so much like medieval hunter gatherer tribes where you're like pooping in a 200 foot toilet, really, I don't know, not great living situations or anything like that. Like people always, look at the past and think like oh you know it was terrible and it was barbaric and it was ridiculous right um but it shines a really different light on how life would have been so different in those hunter-gatherer um, families and units like that and like tribes or communities like that so it's a really interesting book and it really shines a light again on um, like modern day technology and stuff and it seems like there's this big and a restoration or revertment back to things like you guys are doing, right? Like getting the family out and that quality time you're spending with them, you're also teaching them extremely valuable life skills, right? It's like, yeah, yeah so no, it's really interesting guess. stuff. But I would definitely, I go, I go on this whole binge of lately. I, I'm really into theology and of course, like philosophy and psychology of the human mind and all this other stuff. And I really like going back in the years of like what happened and why does the Bible think this? And why does the Quran think that? And why does this think that? You know, it's a touchy subject right now with everything going on in the world, but theology yeah. in general, where we came from and what happened in, in human history and how little we know about it. Um, it's, it's such a crazy thing. And hunting has really taken me that way. And it's made me start to think about like, you know, a lot of these stories that we share and like, and what you guys shared, you know, some of your favorite, most meaningful and factual things. And I know, I think Stephen Ornella said this in, in a documentary 
stars in the sky or whatever, not his mediator show, but I think it was in that documentary. Um, and he said something along the lines of like, or maybe it was a, his book, but it was along the lines of that, like these stories are the first things that man ever communicated to each other. Oh, yeah. I thought it was so powerful, right? Because it's like, like when you look at bees and stuff, like bees don't communicate by saying like, hey, hello, like bees communicate by being like, the honey is over there. We leave at noon. You know what I mean? Like we're yeah. going to get, we're going to get the food and bring it back. And so it's like a lot of these conversations weren't stories of like, this was really epic. It was like, man, if we're going to survive, we need to go down to where those moose are. You know what I mean? Like I just mm -hmm. saw three moose. So let's go kill them. You know, like it, you kind of even talking about the stories connects you to like, and again, not to get too philosophical or whatever, but very much the history of humanity, right? It's, it's crazy, but yeah. You go on that window forever yeah but uh yeah i'll send you guys some links because that youtube video is crazy of that dude like you know harvesting that moose and stuff and just some of this this stuff is blows yeah, my mind and where, where we are today with archery and stuff like that that's cool but uh all that being said how's i know you were saying it's been a tougher season and stuff with elk and stuff like that for you too but how's the season been going for you guys what do you got coming up in the next couple of months last bit of months or whatever um well for me i mean I, i've got my muley tag for up this area mm -hmm. um so i'll be chasing some muleys around my house um whitetail of course but i'm going to spend the next next couple weekends back out at our cabin there in the wainwright area trying to trying to pull down a pull down an elk um i've got a, a good friend out there who's getting me in close to them but yeah Hopefully in the next couple of weeks I'll do that and then get on to some muleys and hopefully get a white tail and maybe a couple of does. I don't know. Yeah. He's up to fill the freezer. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope to get out and get a little, uh, the, with the kids or whatever, they like the, the bird hunting, try to go out for a shoot here before yeah. it gets too cold. And then nice. like I said, same thing for archery here, chasing some, some muleys around the coolies and stuff like that here when it works out on the weekends when not yeah. running in five different directions. Yeah, when you but, don't when you don't have hockey games yeah. all weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So and then and then rifle season, like you said, then it's sort of a, a family time. I always coordinate with my brother or whatever and mm -hmm. my sister and her husband, they come down or whatever and we sort of have our jokingly makeshift uh hunting cabin or hang out at our place and we'll line up probably later in the month there when the rut gets better and yeah, come down and my brother's the same thing. He just, he gets, he's sort of a one weekend out of the winter more or less and comes down and we try to get a decent bucks usually for both of us. And yeah, just harvest, get together, go and drive, get up early, leave the kids and the wives at home and get yeah. going. But now the kids are getting older, they want to come. So yeah. They'll, yeah. they'll probably end up joining us and then the wives and actually, actually get to enjoy themselves a little bit more. But uh, we'll, yeah, even, that's cool. yeah, we'll have weekends and stuff like that too, though, where everyone comes out and, work areas and push bush and our, our wives like when we're out there as long as we don't shoot anything so we always make a point of make sure it's it's a big one to some degree if we're going to shoot something when they're out there otherwise we'll just go and harvest when they're not there because they don't need to see the kill and we're yeah. okay with that. we respect that that's so. funny well that's too cool and then for the next like year or so what do you got uh, i know you're kind of mentioning this before with the uh, grizz and everything but what do you guys got planned for winter and next summer? Kind of same stuff with the shoots and trying to get out to more 3D stuff in the summertime or? Yeah, what do we have coming up? Yeah, I think probably some more 3D stuff this winter. I mean, I, I don't know. It just depends on 
life, really, if we're going to get to do any more. Then he says, we got invited to go do uh, an archery shoot, like be a vendor at an archery shoot in, was it Kamloops? Yeah, Kamloops. Yeah, Kamloops. April. That's April. Um, Yeah, there's always the opportunity to go to the ones that are around here for sure. I know um, I've met a lot of great people since I've been going to these, and they're always open to us coming and putting a table and and whatever um so it's great that way um but as for things planned not not overly not too much like you said for us sort of just you know inventory sometimes bigger orders come through so sort of build up our inventory inventory stock as well as like you said sort of uh exciting to sort of launch this uh our our new website and e-commerce uh platform here probably in the next month or two so hopefully that'll, like you said, will sort of just give us more consistency. It sort of goes in waves, which is all right too, right? Like it's sort of real, yeah. real crazy. Then it's slow. Then it's crazy. Then it's slow. And yeah, it's we've we've had one cycle through a season, and like I said, not every season's ever going to be the same. But we're starting mm-hmm. to understand how that works, right? When as it gets warmer in the spring, right, guys, you yeah. want more targets, right? Winter time, sort of clubs and indoors shoots, and then come summertime, right, guys, are getting ready to for. Uh, hunting so a little more broadhead targets and so yeah we're just getting used to that and yeah still trying to keep up what jim had started and keep improving on the process and different targets we love feedback good or bad that's how we learn and keep improving our products so no it's, yeah. it's been going really good yep. no that's too awesome to hear and it's just also really nice to hear that you guys have been like the good type of busy and like you said there's going to be the the ebb and flow and yeah, get used to it and stuff with, like you said, with the spring one's going to be busy and went to build up some stock and everything and yeah, get yeah. things hammered out. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's just too nice and yeah, I just I look forward to getting out there and you know meeting you guys again and seeing you guys at shoots and stuff like that and uh, yeah, I just want to thank you again a lot for you know supporting the podcast, everything you've done for myself and you know on behalf of probably the Alberta community and yeah, I want to thank you again for you know coming on the chat and making the time and talking about all this stuff and sharing all this stuff. And it's been so nice talking to you guys. Yeah, man, no worries. Thank you for, uh, thank you for the invite to yeah. be able to be on the podcast and chat with you. I know I had a good chat with you when we we're at the hog and shoot, but mm-hmm. being able to do this has been great, man. No, it's good. Yeah, no, thanks yeah. a lot. Appreciate this. It was, it was uh, lots of fun and not as uh, tough or strenuous as you sometimes think it's going to no. be. It's pretty good no. and casual. So please, thanks for making that, uh, make it be like this i guess for the most part as well so appreciate that yeah no i appreciate that man i always try to keep it just a casual conversation i don't want it to be like a Mm hard-pressed interview or question by question or anything like that but uh no man you guys are really really awesome and like i said just just, you do a lot for yeah your families for the community and like it's a good type of busy but yeah it's just crazy and i'd honestly love to do another podcast with you guys again in the future and you know, if you run into any crazy stories in the remainder of this season or anything to come, like I'd love yeah. to, yeah, just keep talking. <laughs> yeah, you, guys yeah. cool. you never know, and we're always excited, and yeah. we, we hope so. I guess, right? That's the <laughs> best part of it, right? Harvesting and exciting yeah. stories depends on what kind of stories you want, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's lucky a, we'll oh. save my dad's stories for another chapter. Yeah, <laughs> a little more uh, wild. Actually, hold on, yeah. man. You yeah. can do a whole podcast. Yeah, I can do a podcast on my dad's stories yeah. of hunting and some things man. that take place. Yeah. Not opposed to that at all. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I just thank you guys again for taking the time today and everything. And uh, yeah, I look forward to catching up with you guys both again soon here. 
Hey, man. Well, good to chat with you. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, you guys take care. Have a great rest of your Sunday here and uh, a good rest of your week. Sounds good, man. You too. Okay, bye. Okay, thank you. Bye.